0: "'Oh, I timed it right again, have you? I don't know how you manage it.' He knew that meant she had just brewed up. "'Sorry there's no sugar,' she said as she poured three cups of tea. "'But at least we won't be short of milk.' "'Eh, thanks. That's welcome.' He poured milk into the measure and transferred a drop into each cup. "'What about the little lass? Will she have a drop of milk?' "'Thanks, all the same. But she won't touch the stuff. I only wish she would,' Sally frowned. "'I've never known such a faddy little devil.' Her sister grinned. "'She'll have no option when she starts school. They have a bottle every morning playtime whether they like it or not.' Enid was a cleaner at Millington Council School, a few minutes' walk away. "'Well, I only hope she isn't sick if they force her to drink it.' Sally held out the letter. We've heard from our Ernest at last. The milkman acknowledged the news with a smile. That's good. I wish I could say the same about our Frank. There's been no news for weeks. Oh, I'm sorry, Sally frowned. Still, no news is good news, or so they say. Not much consolation, that, though, when your son's somewhere out there. Enid pointed out. Mr. Harrison put on a show of bravado. They say the mail's not reliable, I expect that's it. Oh well, I'd better get a move on. He turned back at the door to say, thanks for the tea. Me and my big mouth, Sally sighed. And am lad only just eighteen. She closed the door behind him and went to the window, standing looking out at the hardened earth that served as the road for Potter's Row. On the opposite side, a gap in the dry stone wall led to a path across the field, where in summer a profusion of meadow flowers would bloom. Millington was a good place in which to live. Its main shopping street and the long, sprawling steelworks down in the valley were hidden from view by the trees in what was known as the Donkey Wood, lower down the hill. At the bottom of Potter's Row ran the loop of St. George's Road, which curved at either end to join the main road. Potter's Row and two other similar rows of houses, Barker's Row and Taylor's Row, all led off St. George's Road and were separated from each other by open fields. Beyond the rows, the first of the council houses built in the twenties could be seen, and the square, tiled roof of the council school and in the distance, the wide-open moors of the Pennine Hills stretched for as far as the eye could see. Sally frowned as she looked at the brick and concrete of the recently erected air-raid shelter at the bottom of the field, next to which a footpath known as the Donkey Path provided a shortcut to the main road. It doesn't seem two minutes since young Frank was doing the round with his father in the school holidays. The poor man must be out of his mind with worry. And his wife, Enid said. Is this what we struggle to bring them up for? To send them off to be killed? Don't say that, Enid. Well, it's true. All I can say is I'm glad mine are both girls. Sally placed her arm round her sister's waist. Well, at least our men are safe in the steelworks. "'No one's safe, love. Not even us. "'In fact, it's all the steelworks that are making our city a target.' "'Well, we're not really in the city, are we?' "'But Sally sounded uncertain. "'She went outside onto the flagged causeway, "'where Daisy was tearing up dandelion leaves to use in her shop. "'She picked up her daughter and held her close, "'as if to protect her from everything evil.' saying a little prayer for Ernest and Mr. Harrison's son to be kept safe and for the rotten old war soon to be over. Jim Butler glanced at the sweat-stained face of his watch. Half past nine, only another half hour and he would be clocking off. He shook the perspiration from his face. God, he could murder a pint and then home to supper, sally and bed. He watched the next steel billet leave the roughing as a square and made ready to turn it up diamond-shaped.